0: Happy Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to Couch Potato Diary. Coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio, Clearwater Cleaning Solutions is your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary. They have a fantastic team who are ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. You can find me on Twitter at Klein. I said a thing. People have responded. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at that handle. Uh, I guess at PrimetimeKline on Instagram, not... Twitter, you know, um, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, you can email us at diary at yahoo.com, the music for the show provided by Wasted Talent. So, gonna talk about hockey, gonna talk more about hockey, gonna talk basketball, gonna gloat about baseball, and that'll probably be it for the day. So, hopefully you enjoy this one. The Western Conference Finals are done, have you noticed? The Colorado Avalanche are off to the Stanley Cup Final for the third time in franchise history, the first time since 2001. And the main takeaway from this series, brace yourself for some hard-hitting hockey analysis here. The Avalanche are just better than everyone. Holy smokes, this is a very good hockey team. And look, I've I i may, I've, I've kind of hinted at it here. I made the Flames-Oilers joke on Twitter that caught some people's attention. Obviously, I was being a shit just f- for the case of being a shit. Some people took it a little bit too far, but whatever. There is actually a bit of equating the two here. And not, uh, again, Oilers beat the Flames quite handily when you look at the, the, the series total, in fact. Um, but the way that they're equal is that they both have a long ways to go to, to catch the, uh, the the Colorado Avalanche, which does not put them in a unique position because everyone right now has a long way to go to catch the Colorado Avalanche. At this point, aside from Tampa Bay, which holy crap, look, quick sidebar, we're not going to get too far into that game because it's probably going to be happening by the time you hear this. Rangers, I appreciate the Rangers story and I appreciate the grind that it takes to get to this point. Can you guys politely screw off so we can get a Tampa Bay versus Colorado final, that would be dope, thanks. And I i kind of like the Rangers, but I need this Stanley Cup final. Um, so aside from Tampa Bay, everyone has a lot of catching up to do for, for Colorado. Everyone's great hope right now is that Colorado can't afford to keep everyone, so they're able to just, you know, kind of ships passing in the night, which is what we were hoping about Tampa Bay, and now they're three wins away from going to their third straight Stanley Cup final. It is... It, ridiculous this the amount of space between this avalanche team and everyone else and the only reason no one believe or some people didn't believe in them going into this stanley cup playoff is that they hadn't done it before they had slipped on the banana peel a couple of times there was no proof of concept that this could work this time of year well now it has and holy smokes is it working they haven't was it they haven't lost on home ice this or they haven't lost on the road, um, so far in these playoffs? And so, one of those things, they, they haven't lost in some place, they've only lost twice in the whole damn playoffs. It's been remarkable what they have done, and now they get a break. Hopefully, Nazem Kadri can come back. Um, I think it could be 12 days between the Avalanche's uh game four win over the Oilers and game one in the Stanley Cup final. So, hopefully, Nazem Kadri is ready because it just it that that sucked man and he is having such a great run and hopefully he cashes out in the best way possible in the best situation for him possible and is able to to move on with his career that way but you just hope that he gets his moment in the Stanley Cup i i'm i'm hoping that there is a comeback here we will have a lot of time to gush about the Colorado Avalanche i do want to focus on the Oilers a little bit and again i get the the tweet thing but whatever i i actually i think this is a great season for the Edmonton Oilers. Obviously it is. They got to the conference finals. This is a good hockey team, but there are adjustments that need to be made for them to be great. This year was a fun proof of concept. This year at least showed this can work, right? Those two guys... Connor McDavid and and Leon Dreisaitl can step up when the games mean the most. It's not just a really fun party trick that you can have during the regular season. It's a, okay, this is the best player in the world and he can do this now when everyone is focused on him. That is fantastic to see. Not that there was many doubts about that, but you at least could shut up the couple of doubters who be like, oh, let's see him do it in the playoffs. Well, he's done it. And was on pace to do it better than almost anyone ever. So y- you have proof of concept of that. And I think a run like this can show that Edmonton is actually pretty close. We'll get into why they're not that close in a second. But they are, I mean, relatively speaking, only three other teams are going to get closer to the Stanley Cup this year than the Edmonton Oilers. That is the type of thing that attracts people in. you got the initial boost with Connor McDavid. I don't think you took full advantage of it because the big name you brought in was Milan Lucic and... Um, Peter Shirelli, which, hmm, but this is this is the type of run that brings in the, I get it was a trade, but brings in the Nazem Qadri types, right? That that brings in the, um, again, I know you've been down this road, but the, the Pat Maroon, but like in a productive way, the Corey Perrys, those types of guys who are chasing a Stanley Cup, can still be productive members of your team and want to play with Connor McDavid. It's the types of things that, like we talk about there being an Edmonton tax. If nothing else, McDavid could potentially cancel that off. You get, for two months only, save on the tax, those sorts of deals, this is the type of run that can help you get that. And I'm hoping now we see this because as much as there is the Battle of Alberta thing and I like to take my shots at Edmonton, a lot of it for fun. I, I don't think it's a particularly lovely city, but I don't hate it. Um it This Stanley Cup playoff run was more fun because Connor McDavid was in it because Connor McDavid was in it for a long time. So I want more of that, please. Thank you. However, I think if you just say, oh, okay, we'll just get a better goalie and you'll be set. I think you're whistling past the graveyard a little bit. And again, I get Calgary guy made what I thought was a funny tweet about Oilers after they lost, Oiler people upset at Calgary guy. I I, I understand that. And this next part ain't going to help a whole lot. I don't want to take away what the Oilers accomplished because this was... An amazing ride, and I hope fans really, really enjoyed it. And it, it created memories that will last a lifetime. McDavid, uh, McDavid's overtime goal against Calgary is is something that young fans are going to remember until there is a, a grander moment that involves a, sh- a shiny thing getting lifted over a head. So, that is all to say... You needed seven games to get by a not-quite-fully-cooked LA Kings team yet, you got a horrible goalie job from the Flames, and then were able to keep it close against the Avalanche in some games, against their backup goalie. So while this was a great year, and a really fun, memories for the rest of your lifetime season, just because you made it to the conference finals doesn't mean this is a conference final roster, right? Like, it, it, it's like Jonathan Chichu. Is he a 50-goal scorer or is he a guy who scored 50 ones? It, those, th- that sort of a thing. Just because you got here doesn't mean you can sustainably get here. There are, I think, actual real adjustments that need to be made. Obviously, the goaltender needs to be addressed. But, man, bless his heart, Zach Castian can't be on this team next year. Like, it's just... It, it, he gets the big goal late, and that's great, but more often than not, he was actively hurting this Edmonton Oilers team. And, like, Duncan Keith, all that great experience. Um, he just experienced how how to get beat a bunch. Like, it's just, there, there. there is a next level that this roster can get to. I just don't know if you got the guy to get him there. And and that's Ken Holland. Not Obviously, McDavid can get them to a high level. But... The, these guys now need help. Like, we have now seen that McDavid and Dreisaitl can be good enough to get you to a conference finals. But we have now also seen that they need help to get past this point. Look at the help that McKinnon has got. Look at the help, and again, we'll get to some of that in a little bit here. Look at the help that, um, like, all of the Tampa Bay guys have had over the years. You you now need that next level of support. It can't just be these two guys. By the way, same thing for the Flames. Um, I, I said this last week, but the more I watched the series, the more I realized, oh, the Flames would have got smoked. Oh my God, the Flames would have got smoked so bad. Oh, it would have been. Oh, it would have been so bad. They, I, I think that defensively they would have been able to maybe grind out one game at home, but aside from that, there, there was no there was snowball's chance in hell, sort of territory. So this isn't a, an anti-whatever. That this is absolutely me waving the flag, saying, yeah, the Flames would have got stumped in a series against Colorado. I think everyone does at this point. I think the Avalanche are an all-time great team. This does show that there is a myth in NHL team building, though. All four conference finalists made it to this point with multiple large contracts on their books. Edmonton has a couple, don't know if you heard of them, uh, but with, with Dreisaitl and McDavid. Colorado has Rantanen, Makar, and Landis Uh, McKinnon's not minimum wage, but doesn't really fit into this category. The Rangers have Panarin and Trouba. They'll have Fox next year, too. Tampa Bay, Point, Kucherov, Stamkos, Vasilevsky. This whole, you can't build a team around these superstar contracts things that we've been told by people because for some reason it bugs some hockey fans that some players get paid a lot. It's just, it's not true. We are seeing it now. The Stanley Cup champion is going to be hoisting that cup with a couple giant-ass contracts sitting on their cap-friendly page. It is doable. It ain't easy, but it is doable. You need to hit with your depth, guys. Edmonton, this postseason run. You had Hyman. You have Ryan Nugent-Hopkins. I wouldn't necessarily consider them depth, depth, but th- these are kind of that second tier below those um, main contract guys, right? And then even beyond that, I, I thought Fogel and McLeod had really good series against the-, the Flames and had some moments against Colorado as well. For Colorado... Nazem Qadri, phenomenal postseason. When he goes down, JT Comfer steps up. That entire blue line stepped up. You, you had a bunch of guys making an impact. For the Rangers, we've seen Kopp make an impact. We've had a few other people step up for the, the Rangers in a, a few different situations. I I wouldn't consider Kreider's contract one of the big ones. And I mean, he's playing well as well. Um, Tampa Bay, it's basically everyone. Um, I, I highlighted Sorelli in my notes, but I mean, pick a guy. You also need young players stepping up, right? At various times for Edmonton, it was Pooley, Arvey, and Yamamoto. Neither of them did that in the conference final, and look where they got them. But still, I thought at times this season, those guys have stopped, stepped up. For Colorado, it's the whole blue line, basically, minus McCarr, which is terrifying to think about. The Rangers, you have a thing called the kid line that has stepped up for big moments in the playoffs. Tampa Bay, you have guys like Colton, you have guys like um, Chernack. You have these young players who are stepping up. You need to hit all of these things if you are going to progress with these giant contracts on your books but the main thing that you need if you are going to have big money players and you want to be playing in big games is you need those guys to play up to their contracts all of the big names we talked about in the contracts above the big ones did that let's go back to it Edmonton McDavid and Drysaddle. Drysaddle was injured found a way to be remarkably ridiculously almost insultingly productive with one leg and Connor McDavid was really really good Rantan, Makar, Rantanen, Makar, Landiskog. Rantanen, it wasn't great, but Makar, um, McKinnon was a $6 million player who played like a $10 million player, and Rantanen was a $10 million player who played like a $6 million player, so it cancels out. I'm allowing it. McCarr, phenomenal. Landeskog was, was fine as well. You look at the Rangers, Panarin and Truba, difference makers. You look at Tampa Bay, point when he's healthy, Kucherov, Stamkos, Vasilevsky, all of those guys, over the last three years, have taken their turns being big money guys. And this ties it all back to the Calgary Flames, because of course it does, because that's where I live and this is the team I cover. This is my concern with Johnny Goudreau, and the contract that he is absolutely going to get. And by the way, based on prior production, in the regular season, absolutely deserves. You can win paying guys $10 million dollars. But this time of year, they have to play like $10 million players. And I just don't know if Goudreau is that dude. You just got him to play like a $6 million player in the playoffs. And now he needs to take another elevation in his game in this postseason. Because as, as good as he was in the playoffs, and he was fine. The, the names I just mentioned. McDavid. Dreisaitl. McKinnon. McCarr, Landiscog, Panarin. Truba. Point. I get he's been banged up. Kucherov, Stamkos, Vasilevsky, Gaudreau, aside from maybe Landis Cog, is behind all of them right now. And that those are fine players to be behind, but you can't be getting paid the same as them and hoping that your team is going to just find a way with other dudes. That is my main, main, main concern with whoever ends up paying Johnny Gaudreau this offseason. season. <laughs> Music that you listen to on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at wastedtalent with X's where the A's would be. Find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. So the Boston Bruins fire their head coach, which seems rather shitty of them. Um, I don't. I I I I was stunned when I saw this move. Like. It just seems unfair. Hey, you couldn't get the most out of this flawed roster that we gave you. How dare you? You're fired. <laughs> like, what? Really? It, it's definitely a GM covering his ass because this team wasn't good enough. Like, the, this team, honestly, in losing in seven games to the Carolina Hurricanes in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, got further than I thought they would. I, it was, I, I thought so little of Boston's roster this year. And look, they, they have some great players, obviously. Marchand, Bergeron, yeah, man, man, we know those guys. Um... I thought so little of Boston's roster this year that I had to rethink how good I thought Carolina was because of how difficult it was for them to beat Boston. That's where I thought the Bruins roster was. And you're going to fire the dude that dragged that team to the playoffs? Albeit in kind of a crappy Eastern Conference this year, aside from the playoff teams. But still, man, like that. this is... This is GM covering his ass 101. Unless you know Barry Trotz is coming in here, what coaching upgrade are you getting over that guy who's got you to the playoffs six years in kind of your post apex as well, right? Like that this team is obviously one on the decline and they tried to fill in the gaps um, behind some of these guys and it hasn't worked, right? Like sometimes it has and even... The, the times that it's worked, it's been because Cassidy switched things up. He got DeBrusque going by moving them to that top line, was able to spread things out a little bit, and that's where Boston was at their most dangerous. That was a Cassidy move, not phenomenal general managing by the Boston Bruins. I think this is really stupid, and it it always concerns me when this move is made because it kind of it kind of reeks of a lack of accountability and a lack of understanding what the problem is and to be clear there are problems in Boston and by the way there could be more right like who knows what's going to be happening with their big three like that this could be this could be the start of a new era for the Boston Brewers I think it definitely already is to be honest with you but I think once Char left it kind of was but Uh, This could really be the start of a, a turnaround for Boston and not in a good way. Speaking of Boston sports NBA Finals are waiting for game three coming up on Wednesday. I hate that it's so long between games, but I understand This has been such a difficult series to read because Both game one and game two have come down to two quarters where one team just didn't miss a fucking thing in the fourth quarter You couldn't pay Boston to miss a shot in game one. And then in the third quarter, the Golden State Warriors just went on God mode for 12 minutes and the game was over. Like it was both unbelievable performances and both teams are capable of that. I I, I honestly and truthfully do not have much of a read on the series. One thing, and it's, it's something that I have been guilty of in the past and one thing I'm trying to, to get better at, we look at a playoff game. Let's take game one of the NBA Finals, for example. We see... Boston wins and Jason Tatum struggles and if you're a Boston fan you're saying look we just beat you guys and Tatum only went three for 17 we're going to crush you as if everything is going to stay the same as if Al Horford is going to get career high performances every night and he's been phenomenal by the way but dude come on and, and I, I heard one person talking like hey look Golden State, like, I mean, they had some trouble with Pritchard out there. If, if that's going to continue, here's the thing, it's probably not. I can't imagine Golden State, this modern-day dynasty of the salary cap era, who have risen like a phoenix out of the ashes of what was left following Kevin Durant leaving and Clay Thompson being injured for 900 and a, a, however many days. You're telling me this team is going to be derailed because one of the greatest point guards of all time, Steph Curry, couldn't figure out Peyton Pritchard? Come on. And so sometimes, and we do it in hockey too. It's like, oh man, like got this great game, won this game, and didn't even great, get a great performance from Jacob Markstrom or Mike Smith or, or Connor McGavin or whoever, right? Like we do this all the time as if everything else is going to stay the same, but for some fucking reason, that guy is the only one who's going to change and that's going to elevate everything up as if there isn't a hundred other little things that are going to be different from one game to the next. And so th- there isn't a big overarching point to this one. It's just, it was, I noticed it with a lot of people and it was a, oh damn, I do the same thing. I need to not do that anymore. And I'm, I'm even doing it like, Tonight, getting ready for Tampa Bay against the Rangers, it's like, well, I mean, the Rangers kind of outplayed them for all of game, all of game three. Tampa Bay just got like a couple big goals late, as like as if the entire game is going to play out the exact same, and then the final five minutes, the Rangers are going to figure out how to change things. That's not that's not how it works, and I need to change doing that. Another thing to note from the NBA Finals, Andrew Wiggins' ascension has been miraculous to watch. I don't know if he. He's not going to get to carry a team to an NBA championship, first overall pick, Hall of Fame, blah, 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 blah. But him being super, I don't want to say role player, but like kind of like not superstar, but next level down guy has been so great to watch and a huge factor in Golden State's rise to now being within three wins of another NBA championship. And I I cannot stress enough how important I think his run with Team Canada was. First of all, I think his time defending LeBron in that play-in game and his relative success in doing so, I think that him doing that and getting the confidence to be like, okay, like, look, I defended him. I, I scored on him a couple times. I I can do this. And then him being the guy for Team Canada and especially that, what was it, the comeback against Czech Republic? Um him being the guy down the stretch and having success being the guy, I I, I just, that stuff really matters. I, I, I honestly and truthfully think it matters. And I don't want to go on a Bill Simmons-esque rampage about how everyone should play international basketball all the time, but I do think that is a valuable experience to be gained. It's valuable for uh, Canadian basketball, it's valuable for the player, and it's another thing why... I hate how some teams do rebuilds where it's just, oh, we're just going to lose for a few years and then figure it out. You need to be in important games. You absolutely need to see what this level of basketball is like. You th- don't think that the um, the the Minnesota series with Memphis is going to do wonders for Anthony Edwards to see like, okay, there's another level that I, I can get to. You don't think that... Seeing this level now of hockey for guys like Connor McDavid, for guys, but some of the younger guys, right, like Poliari, for guys like um, Yamamoto. You don't think playing in these important games is going to mean a ton for them down the road? Same thing goes for the Rangers kid line. All those, all those young kids who we talked about who have stepped up for um, all the teams in the playoffs, huge invaluable experience is being gained. And that is why I hate how some teams, well, we're just going to lose for a few years and then we're going to be really good and then we're going to win championship. It doesn't work that way. You need to need to play in these meaningful games. A couple quick notes on baseball before we get out of here. The Blue Jays look like they're turning things around. It's almost as if hitting with runners in scoring position isn't a predictive stat, more just telling you what's happened so far. I hate that. And this might be one of those things that is a hill that I'm willing to die on because someone challenged me on it one time and I did not respond in a reasonable manner, I guess, or um, and a appropriate, well, not appropriate, um, proportional manner. That's the word I'm looking for. Proportional manner. This is a podcast. I'm taping it. I could have edited all that. I didn't. But I had someone telling me one time, because uh, I said like hitting with runners and scoring prediction uh, scoring position, a isn't a skill. It just like odds are if you're a good hitter, you're a good hitter with runners and scoring position. It's not like you see a runner in second base and all of a sudden you go from Clark Kent to Superman. And, oh well, now I can hit the baseball. Odds are if you sort by batting average with runners and scoring position, you're probably gonna see just the best hitters in baseball. That's just how hitting works. But it's also like it. just it is in no way predictive at all it's you're already taking especially early in the season man I know I'm rambling now but we are just at a point now where the full scope of the statistics that we are seeing in baseball, we can start to believe a little bit, we can start to make conclusions from them. And you want to take small sample sizes from that, from that barely passable sample size. You want to take small sample sizes from that and assume that's how it's gonna be for the rest of the year? No. This Blue Jays team was always going to figure out how to hit with runners in scoring position. It just so happened that their run of not hitting with runners in scoring position all happened at the same time. It is frustrating, it's annoying, it's not predictive even a little bit, there is nothing you can say to change my mind. That makes me think that because the Blue Jays couldn't hit with runners at 2nd and 3rd in the Bronx in April, that all of a sudden they're going to falter in October. It's just... no. If anything hitting with runners in scoring position is easier because defense can't really shift as much and blah 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 Not the point. All I'm saying is the Blue Jays are going to turn things around and that's a stupid stat if you try to use it predictively. One thing that I hope is predictive from a Toronto standpoint is Barrios's performance against the Twins over the weekend. He needed that in the worst way. And I don't know if all of the the magic has worn off of Gosman just yet, but it certainly sounds like um, Ryu isn't doing awesome with his elbow issue. They need Barrios to be that $20 million guy. He hasn't been so far. He was against the Twins over the weekend. That is something that needs to be built on. The Philadelphia Phillies firing Joe Girardi. Uh, why? This is a you-play-stupid-games-you-win-stupid-prizes thing for me with Philadelphia. You get a lineup full of guys who can mash and can't defend. We talked at the beginning of the season how this was basically a baseball science experiment just to see how does it, like, less balls in play now, so how important is defense? Turns out, very important. Also, when you build a team like this, you can't afford to have anyone struggling. Like, you you need everyone to be at the back of their baseball card or, I guess, the more, um... Up to date reference would be you need everyone hitting to their baseball reference page to make up for the utter lack of defense that you have, and a couple guys are slumping and the team sucked. Like that's that's not a thing that I think you can put on the manager. Like you you put together a team of guys who can mash and can't defend. You knew that if they didn't defend and then you know didn't mash as much, they weren't going to be very good. Well, this is what happened. Like it's I don't know, man. I. I think it's, once again, a scapegoat for a poorly built team. Madden getting canned by the LA Angels seems like a panic move. They've lost 12 in a row. Obviously, you need to turn things around. I am very much Team Angels this year. I want to see Otani and Mike Trout in the playoffs. Not against the Blue Jays, but I would like to see them in the playoffs. And this just seems like a panic move. But I think this also really drives home how people view managers right now, specifically in baseball, but it happens all the time. They are kind of viewed as interchangeable pieces who are just kind of there to put the puzzle pieces in the spots that the math tells you to. I don't think Madden is that guy. I I think that he would like to do kind of things on his own and maybe, I I don't know if Nevin is going to be more of a in-control kind of a guy or more of a, hey, let's let the sabermetrics department do this and I'll hang out here and get a nice hoodie or something. But this to me just shows how interchangeable these teams really think this managerial position is. That's going to do it for the program today. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you to Clearwater Cleaning Solutions for being the studio sponsor for Couch Potato Diary. Clearwater Cleaning Solutions is your one stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary. They have a fantastic team who are ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I will talk to you later. I'm out.